0: Hello, I'm Wayne and this is my Iron Maiden podcast Sponsored by Impulse Body Spray Men still can't help acting on it But not in a predatory or threatening manner On these shows I look at the songs of Iron Maiden And how they impacted on me growing up as a boy In 1980s and 1990s Birmingham I reflect on them today as well See how I feel about them as a grown up This week I'm looking at the song Run Silent, Run Deep, which is track 7 on the No Prayer for the Dying album. Last week, I had a look at the song The Assassin and had some feedback on the show. First of all, I had a message from King Titan, who said that when I put together the song No Prayer for the Dying with Pterodactyl Mark's vocal side by side, this was one of the highlights of the series, so could I do it again please, with what he did with The Assassin yeah, okay, here it is.
1: Watch out,
0: okay, hope you enjoyed that. I had a message from Troy Tempest, and he said that he noticed that I've been putting Pterodactyl Mark on episodes with lesser songs on. He says this isn't very nice, and that I'm devious, truculent, and unreliable. He says it's similar to how I've been treating Uncle Steve, by putting him on the Gangland and the Duelists episode and that I shouldn't be hiding them away and give them a bigger opportunity. Well, this is nonsense. It's not true at all. They just happen to be on those episodes. In fact, you've missed the fact that Pterodactyl and was on the title track for this series, so that's quite important. And Uncle Steve, well, he was on a Christmas special, so you should be pleased with that, and I don't know what you're getting at. I'm not ashamed of them hiding them away. Now, I've been looking through the comments from last week, and there seems to be more interest about the fact I mentioned Neighbours, the TV show, rather than anything to do with the song The Assassin. Now, interestingly, in the same week, Neighbours has been axed from UK television on Channel 5, so that's a coincidence. And it made me think about this show, and perhaps there was a link between ratings and axing things, and I had a look at The Assassin episode, and after two or three days, the number of downloads compared to Fate's Warning was down by one and I believe this might be because of Pterodactyl Mark so maybe he'll be axed despite the comments earlier. Maybe I should be ruthless but we'll come to that later. You may remember that I mentioned a Paul Diano action figure a few weeks ago after putting a photo up online. A lot of people were confused as to where to get it from because it wasn't anywhere else. Finally a toy company in Brazil has launched it. You could now get it on pre order. So I shared this link to try and be helpful. But as usual, people weren't grateful. I got queries about it, as if I was a shopkeeper in this toy store. Do they ship to the UK, Wayne? Someone asked. Well, why don't you go on the website and use the drop down and have a look at the countries listed? Oh, well, oh, oh yeah, well, I did that. Uh, and UK isn't there. There's all these funny words. Well, that's because they speak Portuguese in Brazil, isn't it? Remember Cristiano Matos from the Number of the Beast series? He was learning English, wasn't he, in Brazil? That's because he speaks Portuguese. We should know that now. And anyway, you don't have to ask me, do you? Because Google can do the translating, so you can work out what the UK is in Portuguese. So, you know, why don't you do it? We've got the internet now. Oh, how much is it? Someone asks. Again. I mean, did you even click on the link? Maybe they're confused because it says 299 Brazilian Lira. But again, you can do this. You can have a look at what this actually is in English pounds. I mean, do you want me to check the latest exchange rates as well? How about I check the stock room and all that? I mean, I don't work for the toy shop. I'm not on commission. I just shared a funny link and that was it. That's all I did. Maybe people think I've got some sort of in-house link to this toy. Um, Do you think they've been exported to Brazil via Trevor's shed? He's not making them. That's not what he does. Perhaps he could do this, maybe people would pay us money, maybe he should, I don't know, sell one of his Sabutio teams and say all of the players are Paul Diano in different historical kits. That might be quite a good idea, actually. Anyway, the song, Run Silent, Run Deep, it opens quite nicely, it's got like a reflective guitar and it's got like a wind noise as well in the background, a bit similar to that on Alexander the Great or Power Slave. It's that mood which suggests something big and good. I wonder if it's the same wind sample as on those early tracks, or whether it's one of those voices on the keyboard. On Michael Patterson's Yamaha Porter sound, you could choose wind, but this was more of a sound effect. You couldn't play the EastEnders theme tune using it. This wind eventually seems to blend in to a cymbal rolling or crashing or whatever a cymbal does. And then the song kicks in. But not like normal. Everyone kicks in together, including Bruce. because so there's no time to settle.
1: Come, boy,
0: and the good news is, we've got that gallop in this song. So that must have pleased the fans. Imagine if Twitter was around when this album came out. I can picture the fans discussing the album during their first listen. There's probably a lot of people going a bit over the top about it because it was new. Perhaps like saying one of their best songs, IMO, about the assassin. I think they'd all be relieved, wouldn't they, when they get to this section where there's a gallop. A bit like how people were when they heard Stratego, after maybe being a bit disappointed that the writing on the wall didn't sound like every other Iron Maiden song. There wasn't Twitter though, in 1990. Maybe fans would have rung each other up on those big telephones, or wrote each other letters. People did used to write letters to pen pals, and there were those adverts in magazines. I had a pen pal briefly, when our class teacher had a teacher friend in another school, and we randomly got someone to write to. I got Alan Lucas. He lived in Haycox Green, so that was only about three miles away, so it was rubbish. He liked motocross, but he wasn't very good at spelling. I imagined that he had curly hair and freckles, but we never met or shared a photo. He didn't like Iron Maiden. I drew him a picture of Edley standing over a motocross bike on fire. There are no more letters after that. Run Silent Run Deep is a title from a book and a film about submarines. The film was in 1958 and it starred Clark Gable and Burt Lancaster. It's a black and white film, which means it's good. Run Silent Run Deep was written by Harrison Dickinson and as the lyrics are full of imagery and not explaining about what silence or depth are, then I assume Bruce wrote them and not Steve Harris. You can tell because in the first verse it doesn't just mention the sea or knuckles, it says the oily sea and knuckles white. I used to think that the person who came second in the songwriting duo credits did the lyrics I remember that Smith always seemed to come before Dickinson, for example. So here we go again. Harris Dickinson wrote this song, which means Dickinson wrote the lyrics. I don't know if this is a fact or not. It was just something I thought about when I was a boy. The first lines are, The convoy lights are dead ahead. The merchant men lay in their bed. Now I've mentioned that Bruce is more descriptive in the lyrics, but surely it can just say merchants here, not merchant men. I thought this was like another many Nordic fighting men. It was just pointless, maybe just using up syllables for the sake of it. And that's what I thought as I talked into a Cadbury Spira, which had come out the year before, and was in my top three chocolate bars of 1990. Of course, now, as a man, I realise that a merchant man is a boat. It's like a boat with merchandise on it. So now you can picture a scene of a boat, motionless at night. As idle as a painted ship, upon a... No, yeah. But then there's this harsh interruption, the thump of diesels, and we find that the oily sea is a killing ground. So this is good, isn't it? So at the beginning, it led us into a false sense of security before it changed the mood. And I think this is probably what Trevor tried to do with his awful poem last week about Santa Claus. And you might argue that perhaps the song The Assassin also led us into a false sense of security, and, and yet I wasn't happy with this. But the mood changed there, with the chorus, that wasn't a good thing. Now we also get a slight change in the mood because it mentions a he. So there's someone there, in amongst this killing ground. And this perhaps allows us to feel more connected with a human presence, so we can become more attached in it. It describes him as a cunning fox in the chickens' lair. So that's interesting. Um, we had the fox among the chickens didn't we, in back in the village. I'm not sure if the fox is the man or a submarine, and the chickens are the merchantmen. The verse goes along nicely, and there's a nice little guitar lick between the lines. And it goes into the chorus quite seamlessly. And it's good, the chorus, because it's catchy, but it doesn't ruin it, like maybe the chorus in Tail Gunner. And And it doesn't change it too much. Noticed that the choruses haven't been so good on the album so far, so this stands out as being decent. It's funny how in the chorus it says running silent, not run silent like the title. And as a result of this, it's a song that you often see written down wrong when you see it online. People say, I like this song, running silent, running deep, but it isn't called that. There's other famous songs that people often get the title wrong, like the Proclaimers, People say, well oh, like their song, I would walk 500 miles. It's not called that. And that's the one that's got the same intro as the parchment. in case you're wondering. But their song's actually called, I'm going to Be." open brackets, 500 miles, close brackets. So it's a song about war, a battle at sea between a submarine and some merchant men. And verse two keeps this going, mentioning the conflict, but also about the futility in it, which we've seen before. It's a common theme in Iron Maiden. They clearly think this is a good angle on the subject. I mean, you might expect a heavy metal band to write about war or battles or fighting. But Iron Maiden often focus on the history and they give equal attention to the glamour, the fortune and the pain. In this verse they say the lethal silver fish will fly. And that's a reference to And It talks about death and the inevitability of it all. As if it's all a part being played because they're obeying orders, just acting them out. I feel like there's more dynamism than some of the songs we've had so far in this album. And Bruce's vocal sounds pretty impressive all round. But then I might argue this is because he's more comfortable with it. Maybe he's not pushing himself. After this section, but before the solo, there's this odd change. The song seems to slow down a bit. And the bass makes this odd noise, like sort of, but a bit lower than that. Well, here it is. Right, now it's time for Dave Murray Fact of the Week. There's a famous photograph of Dave Murray and Steve Harris standing next to each other wearing black t-shirts. And Dave Murray's shirt says, no, we are not an English rock band. Steve Harris is standing to the right with a t-shirt that says, We are dental floss salesmen from Montana. And that's funny, isn't it? Oh, I was in hysterics. I wanted to buy one, but you need someone else to stand next to you with the other t-shirt on, don't you, all the time? Otherwise it doesn't make sense. Buy like those t-shirts that say, I'm with stupid, and it's got a, a finger pointing to the left or right. If you're not standing next to anyone, then it's pointless. Maybe I could get a, a set that says, no, I'm not a podcaster from Stetchford. And then the other T-shirt says, I'm a virtual shopkeeper from Brazil. See how people like that? But I don't think Trevor would agree to it. We'd have to stand next to each other, wouldn't we? Anyway, Dave more facts of the week. Um, You might think that they just dreamt that up from nowhere, that dental floss salesman from Montana. Maybe there aren't any dental floss salesmen in Montana. Well, perhaps there weren't in 1982 either, when the photo was taken. But actually... The reason they chose this was because Dave Morey's favourite song by Frank Zappa is called Montana and in the lyrics it mentions him growing dental floss. So there you go, there's a lovely fact for you. So I hope you enjoyed Dave Morey Fact of the Week. Right, we're working our way through the song and we're on the solo beats now and it's pretty good and there's a nice drum change to give it variety. This This is good, it's like solo after solo to some degree. then there's an interesting section uh, with the the harmonies and uh, listen to this now it might feel that you've been here before and you've heard that somewhere else so listen to this That's right, it's similar to the section out of Deja Vu. So that's interesting, isn't it? The final verse sort of mentions scenes of devastation, where the lifeboats are shattered, the hull is torn. But then he sings about someone called Davy Jones, and he sings it in a funny way. Well, way down for Jones. <laughs> it's similar to how he said Hammer Down earlier on. Now, Davy Jones isn't a person in this song. It comes from a phrase, Davy Jones Locker which at sea meant at the bottom of the sea, so basically that they were dead. In this song, it's talking about them being together in battle, but on the way down to Davy Jones' locker, they're alone. So again, that futility. Now, not what you're thinking here with the Davy Jones' locker thing. You're thinking, I bet Wayne's got an anecdote from school about a locker, perhaps a locker of one of his classmates who conveniently had the surname Jones. Well, how dare you think this? How dare you assume you know what happens? In 1990, we didn't have lockers at school. We didn't go to Degrassi Junior High. We had those wooden desks still, with the benches attached to them. And they had inkwells in the top. There was loads of obscene graffiti scratched in, using those compass things from your geometry set. Those inkwells didn't even have ink in them, like they might have done in the 50s. It was just like a hole leading down to what was inside the desk underneath. I remember spinning pop into one once and it pulled down the inkwell I don't know whose desk it was luckily no one noticed but uh yeah, I remember that anyway lockers came later um, they weren't, we didn't have them at this time they came in with white and all those newfangled things I had a message from Dennis Stratton this week It's time
2: to put on your talcum powder and red leather trousers it's time to go Beyond the stratosphere Bringing your eyes, frayed bentos pies In a world
0: full of magic So don't you stray When you reach the stratosphere
2: It's time to go Beyond the sphere it's time
0: to go. Beyond the stratosphere, la la
2: la 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 la
1: la la la. Hello, Wayne. Dennis Stratton here. This 1990s decade was a tough time for Iron Maiden. I didn't know what to make of this album. It was quite reasonable, I suppose. I like this song though. Run Silent, Run Deep. What a title. Like the smell of a fart under a duvet. I remember one evening after a chicken Bunabalti letting out a few whiffs in the bed. The smell creeping from the deep up to pillow level. I was sharing a bed with a lady at the time, so it was quite embarrassing. I blame the drains. Although we both knew what was happening. Even with the windows open all night, the air was toxic the next morning. She didn't even stay for breakfast. It's all about submarines, though, of course. There's a nice reference to torpedoes in the song. Do you remember licorice torpedoes, Wayne? I used to get them from the sweet shop. I don't think you can call them torpedoes anymore because of health and safety. The new boy in the shop calls them comfits. What's a comfit? All this change. I can't keep up. I'm pleased to see things might be getting back to normal here. Although at what cost? we got inflation. Anger. More Red Sheeran albums. I'm quite worried about those rising energy prices over the winter. Those fray bentos pies don't eat themselves, you know. Anyway, nice to speak to you. Take care, Dennis. After the final verse, Bruce
0: holds that final sleep over that what I'm going to call Blalum bass section where it slowed down earlier but then there's that quiet bit that ends the song which is a trick I made and used a lot after this like bringing it to a close. but rather than go full circle and repeat the intro like they often do it's like a gentle end with a version of the chorus sang over it so it's quite pleasant If I look at it, it feels like there's not much to the song structurally, that usual verse-chorus-solo business. But the middle instrumental section has got a bit of variety, and the verses are eight lines long, so it actually is over four and a half minutes. So the song's pretty much about there's no mercy in war, it's tough wherever you are, whether you're above or below the sea. We've heard that, haven't we, in the song, where they're obeying orders, and they're doing that over any conscience they might have. And that line about, you know, you might get your medals, but... You can be a hero one minute and then you're dead the next. So, yeah, futility. Right, I'm going to give Trevor a ring.
2: Hi, Wayne.
0: Hi, Trevor, how are you doing?
2: Yeah, not so bad. you been busy? Yeah, well, congratulations. What for? Well, two years, isn't it, of the podcast. That's good. Good achievement.
0: Oh, yeah, thanks. Uh, maybe I'll have to do something online to celebrate it. Maybe have a cake or, or something.
2: Yeah. Can I have some?
0: Yeah, maybe I can drop some round. Okay, so what do you think about Run Silent Run Deep?
2: Yeah, I like it. It's one of the best songs on the album, but I wonder where I'd rank it if it was on something like Peace of Mind. Not sure where it would fit in there. But I like the atmosphere.
0: Yeah, I think I agree, but uh, let's not reveal our top three songs yet, because we'll be doing that in the album review special, I suppose.
2: Oh, yeah. I think it's nice, this because we've got submarines instead of the usual aeroplanes. I remember I used to play Shreddy Submarines in my cereal bowl.
0: Shreddy Submarines?
2: Yeah, they used to sink under the milk, so it was a treat when you found them, when you thought you'd finished. You'd say, oh look, a bonus Shreddy.
0: So it wasn't a game then, you didn't play it, you just saw a Shreddy under the milk?
2: Yeah, but you could play with them. You could push them under the milk with your spoon and make submarine noises.
0: What noise is that then? Okay, that's enough. Anyway, I thought you used shreddies as rafts. When you did your right my mix up, you mentioned the shreddies being rafts and Rice Krispie people riding on them.
2: Yeah, we could do that as well. It's quite a versatile cereal. I suppose if you think about it, Weetabix would be the obvious submarine cereal, but my mum used to mash them up. And of course, they dissolved in milk. And submarines don't do that.
0: Neither don't. Well, it's interesting that you're wittering on because uh, we had quite a bit of feedback about you this week on Facebook. Uh, Jim McGrath said, he nearly turned off after your so-called poem. And he said, any more of that? And then he says a rude word, which is a, a sort of a level below Tom Tit. He said, any more of that? And we should get pterodactyl marking full time. And then luckily for you, you were saved by the bell. And, and yeah, I know that's another TV show about a school with lockers in before you all write in. Um, Yeah, in answer to him, we had Pat George and Colin Gage who defended you. So that was lucky because this could have caused some trouble because it's not good, is it? People threatening to turn off because of you.
2: No, it's not. It's quite a shock.
0: Yeah, well, I'm quite worried. I think maybe you're in decline. I mean, I notice you're selling less books. And earlier on, you spoke about changing your style for the new decade, like Iron Maiden. But I thought you meant that you'd do more basic, accessible poetry. Not literally lose fans, like Iron Maiden did, because they're becoming less impressed by them. I mean, what we, we've had fires in model villages, mustard tank tops floating around the world, goths and Santa assassins.
2: Yeah, that's good. Why are you focusing on the negative comments? And there's some positives there. You've got to take criticism. I bet this is how Steve Harris felt when he read reviews of this album.
0: You can't compare yourself to Steve Harris. I think you need to up your game. I was talking earlier in the show about household names being axed, like neighbours on TV. Nothing's safe. Nobody's safe. And uh, I remember you talking about Yannick as if he's in a football team, you know, about being the new boy. And... Let's think about you, like you're in a football team. You've had it easy for too long out on the pitch. You've got complacent, haven't you? No competition for places. But now fans are clamouring for Pterodactyl Mark after recent performances. So now you've got pressure from the subs bench. So think about that.
2: All right, Wayne. Well, that's fair enough. But uh, this week's better.
0: Well, yeah, be careful, because you know, in football you don't get your contract renewed, do you, at the end of the season... Series.
2: Well, if you're going to be like that, maybe I'll go on a free transfer then to another podcast that wants me, recognises my talent and potential. I think you're being very harsh. You know, I've mentioned my feelings lately. It's been difficult.
0: Okay, well, that's fair enough, but you, I think you still need to improve. You know, you need to try and keep your place.
2: Well, as I said, people are like this poem. It's better than last week. Well,
0: I don't think that's very hard, is it?
2: Okay, here it is. Run silent, run deep. And that's the title. That's not in the poem. So ignore that. But that's the title. So it's important.
0: All right. Well, we know what the title is. You don't need to tell us.
2: Well, it's important to remember it. Run silent, run deep. Deep, underwater, an island once settled. Rose up to the surface, revealing thick forest. A hill with a crater and more woodland to the north. Waves make bubbles on the shore as I sit up in the bath. All this unexplored territory until your hands run silently across my body.
0: Okay, well, that's a bit more interesting, but you were describing this island at the beginning and it sounded quite nice, this luscious landscape. But then you're in the bath. Where does that fit in?
2: I'm the island. It's my body in the bath. I was in the bath with Pamela, and she was exploring my body with her hands.
0: You're the island? Yeah. So hang on, it says a hill with a crater.
2: Yeah, the hill's my tummy, and the crater's my belly button.
0: And then the thick forest? I think I'm going to be sick. Isn't this a bit steamy?
2: No, not if you open a window before getting in.
0: Oh, come on.
2: Well, it was obvious. It was set up for the joke, wasn't it? People want comedy on this. They're going to be loving it. They'll say, oh, forget what we said. We want Trevor back for good.
0: OK, well, I'm not sure now what I think about it. It probably is a better poem, but I don't think it's acceptable.
2: Why not? I've done a poem about being in a bath before, and that was surreal. You may remember I was drinking cider with a prophet staring at me. You didn't think that was unacceptable? And yet, this normal act of passion is treated like je t'aime moi non plus. What? That band song in the 60s by Serge Gansberg and Jane Birkin. I
0: don't know what you mean. Anyway, what are you writing about Pamela for? Well,
2: I thought it would be a good thing in order to cope. To cope with her absence. I mean, it's unusual, isn't it? How I'm feeling and what I'm doing. I didn't even ask if you were going to do a Valentine's Day special.
0: Yeah, I suppose that is a bit strange. You normally go on and on about doing specials.
2: Yeah, well, that's how it's been. And last week you said, confront my fears with goths. Well, I'm confronting different feelings here. And and now you're moaning about it.
0: All right, well, thanks for the poem. Hopefully people will be a bit more happy with it. Next week we've got uh, all hooks in you. So uh, see how that one goes.
2: Yeah, all right then.
0: Okay, so I'll speak to you on Sunday then.
2: Yeah, thanks, Wayne. Bye.
0: You can find me online, I'm on social media I'm at Wayne Maiden on Twitter I'm on Facebook, Instagram probably some other places Uh, Yeah, I'm on Ko-Fi as well so uh, that's ko-fi.com forward slash wimp and there you can leave a tip to the value of a Frey Bentos pie and uh, if I post things on there you get an email and then uh, you can have a look at what what I'm saying and I've got a couple of years of content now as Trevor said, two years so that's good Um, although I wasn't on Ko-Fi straight away But uh, yeah, you can see things including the shop where you can buy Trevor's book if you really want to. I was looking on Twitter earlier in the week, uh, apart from you know the Paul Diano shop thing, um, I noticed that I got 600 followers, which, you know, it's, it's pretty good. I'm quite happy, I'm very grateful. But I'm not here to boast about how many followers I've got. That's not what I do because I don't have 600 people on my Christmas card list. That doesn't mean that. That's not the same. But yeah, when you get 600 followers... You can do something called Twitter Spaces. They can do this anyway. You can join a Twitter space and, and interact. But when you get 600 followers, you can actually host one, which means you can create an event and people on Twitter can sort of join you. So it's a bit like a, a party or a chat. Um, so I thought I might do that. And then I thought, well, what can I do? What can I chat about? Um, maybe I could do like a, a pre-show special, you know, Just get people's opinions and gauge interest and excitement. Or maybe I could do an after-show party, you know, once the show's gone out, I can do a talk about it, how I felt, or how you, the listener, felt. Um, Or maybe I could throw it over to Trevor, give him the chance, because, you know, he did Trevor's Takeover Thursday, and people quite liked it. So maybe he could do something, you know, get that interaction with him, something like that. Um, Or I could do a jigsaw, all of these things. I was making a big list of ideas, I was quite excited. So then I thought, all right, I'll go on Twitter and see how it works. So I logged in and then I finally got 599 followers. Someone had unfollowed me, hadn't they? All that effort I've made doing a brainstorm like Adrian mentioned once. And, uh, yeah, all my ideas for for nothing. 599 people. So I can't do a Twitter space. So thank you very much to the person who unfollowed me, depriving over 590 people from uh, joining me in something. So, uh, yeah. But, yeah, on I'm, I'm a... Positive note on Twitter, I did post a, a photo recently of what I looked like in 1990, which of course is the time that this album came out. And uh, there I am, a photo of me, age 13, in Landordno, wearing the Number of the Beast t shirt with some uh, jogging pants. They might be tracksuits, I'm not sure. And uh, yeah, looking, I don't know, I wouldn't say stylish, but uh, certainly interesting. And uh, yeah, got, got some good interaction from it. People seem to like the picture, even some girls. So that was nice. Uh, Where were you in 1990? Maybe I should tell Paul Diano to go back and show my 13-year-old self the impact that this photos had on Twitter, people liking it and appreciating it. And uh, maybe I wouldn't be as ashamed of of how I appeared and self-conscious. And uh, Yeah, that'd be nice. It'd be like those celebrities who write letters to their 13-year-old selves. I'd just get a man with a time machine to go back and show him Twitter. Now from that picture, someone asked, did I grow my hair? Um, Because you can't perhaps tell from that image, because it's perhaps not the best quality. But there is some length on that photo, but it might look like a shadow on the rock behind my ears. But uh, yeah, I did grow my hair a bit longer than this, for another year. And uh, I don't think the teachers liked it. And nor did my classmates, so yeah, didn't go down well. But of course, I'm building up to the haircut story, aren't I? Which uh, I know you've been waiting for weeks, and... Probably won't be that exciting now, all the uh, build-up. It's going to be an anti-climax, isn't it? Just a boy having a haircut. So yeah, eventually I thought I should do something about it. I went to Christo's, which was the salon up the road near Gateway, where my mum and a friend Christine went. And I asked for a step, which was quite fashionable at the time, and a woman cut it.
1: Um,
0: so it wasn't my mum or a barber, so it was quite awkward. I didn't know how to speak to her. I didn't know the answer to some awkward questions like squared or tapered. No one tells you how to do this, do they? In school or the Osborne book of growing up didn't cover it. Now a step style was, uh, if you imagine a shaved bit round like a like the base of a pie round your head, and then your hair is is the crusty bit at the top. So there's like a gap between the shaved bit and the the pie top or, or your hair, and that was that's the step, isn't it? At the different lengths, so that's what was called a step. So yeah, I thought I looked quite good. Looked in the mirror, yeah. I looked like I could be in an indie band. Then I went, back to school. People were a bit more accepting. But then a few months later, everyone got into this grunge thing, didn't they? And everyone wanted to grow their hair long. So that was acceptable then. And I'm out of fashion again. So oh, it's awful. Now my mum's friend Christine said I should tell these people. I was ahead of the time. But that didn't work, did it? Because I had this step cut. I was ignored. So I regret this trip to Christo's. So that's Run Silent Run Deep then, and uh, I'm pleased to say that's probably the most positive I've been for a while. I think the last few songs have been alright, but uh, they've had their flaws. Run Silent Run Deep's a bit more consistent, and I'm a bit happier with it, so that's good news. But let's see if I keep this mood up for next week. We've got hooks in you, so I hope you can join me for that. Uh, thanks for listening, and I'll speak to you next week. Bye-bye.